What is going on, guys? I am so delighted today to welcome our next guest onto the show. We have got Mikhail Kuznetsov on today. Mikhail is an outstanding copywriter, and some believe him to be one of the best in the world. Mikhail is the current CMO, the Chief Marketing Officer of Real Social Dynamics. Mikhail was also Ty Lopez's copy editor. He worked as a copywriter for Ty. Most of Ty's major content, which you see a lot of the programs, the sales pitches, the, the content, Mikhail played an enormous part in that organization. So you can clearly see the credentials there. Mikhail is, is outstanding at what he does. I would say that before we delve into this episode, that this is a really wide-ranging conversation. There's so much that bans on psychology and marketing and copy, but we also delve into Mikhail's story. And I would just like to give a trigger warning before we delve into the episode. Mikhail is extremely open. He is very vulnerable about his struggles with suicide and depression. So towards the end of the episode, Mikhail gives a very open and honest and sometimes a little graphic encounter of of his struggles so if anybody thinks that that could potentially trigger them then please be mindful about this and really consider whether that's a part that you want to listen to that isn't until much later in the conversation so i would highly advise to stick around for the self-development stuff mikhail has also said that he is very empathetic by nature so if anybody listens to this and feels like they want to reach out to him please dm him on instagram you can find his his at in the show notes so just swipe up on this episode and you will find his at and please connect with mikhail so guys i hope you enjoy this conversation as much as i enjoyed recording it Undoubtedly, there is so much that we could cover in this conversation, Mikhail. Could you please give us the the first date pitch, if you will, of what's led you to this point of your life? I love it. Yeah. So we just uh, we just sat down across from each other with the listener uh, for for drinks for lovely drinks for our first time meeting. Uh, you guys, first off, thank you for having me on the podcast. For those of you that are not familiar uh, with me, so. Uh, I ran the back end for Ty Lopez for about three and a half years, then proceeded to go on to uh, Simple Pickup and pivot them from Simple Pickup to Jump Cut Studios. And currently, I am the chief marketing officer at a company known as Real Social Dynamics. We do just short of a million dollars a month in revenue, and I manage all of the marketing efforts at that company. Uh, But I guess if you were to take it back to the beginning, um, I was born in Russia to a, a family of theoretical physicists, so PhDs in theoretical astrophysics, and when I was eight years old, my mom came into my room, and she said, hey, surprise, we're going on an adventure, uh, pack a bag, so so I packed a bag with a bunch of toys, and uh, lo and behold, I was on a plane to America, I didn't really know where I was going, so that was, that was a bit of a surprise, and uh, ended up living on the East Coast, uh, Maryland, Baltimore, um, Virginia, New York, for quite some time, and then 
uh, in my teenage years moving down to San Diego, Encinitas, North County, and uh, spending a good amount of time there, and then moving to my current location of Los Angeles, getting into internet marketing, influencing, and uh, cue the authority blurbs from the beginning of that intro. That's some adventure you've been on. (laughs) Yes, sir. It's a blast. I know. Amazing. Um, so just going back to what you said at the, the start. So we've actually had a lot of requests for this type of episode into copywriting. Given, you know, your experience into this subject, what is it about copywriting in particular that resonates with you so much and that has allowed you to become one of the best in the world in this field? Thank you. So... I am an empath, so this kind of comes down to the the MPD to empath scale, I think, that everyone kind of falls on with personalities, right? You're either kind of a, a narcissist, self-absorbed individual, or uh, you're an empath, and I've, I've always been raised an empath, so I feel other people's emotions, I resonate uh, very deeply with any sort of struggles that they're going through, and that is really at the core of every piece of copy that I write. Rather than saying, how can we make this product sell or how can we make a bunch of money? Obviously, I think, I think those things are excellent. Uh, but the first question I always ask is, how can this copy help people? Uh, what is the moment of impact that we're looking for? What is that point of impact where when somebody reads a piece of copy or sees a particular ad or a piece of content or uh, a sales page or, or buys a certain product or has any sort of interface with any brand or individual that I work with, uh, what, what is that point of impact where we can make their day a little bit better and make something click in their brain? And that psychology and that philosophy really translates through you know, every ad that I write, every sales page that I write, every uh, video sales letter, um, every pro- product launch that we do. It's all based around this premise of uh, really connecting to the human element because my belief is where we are currently in society, everything's going to be automated, uh, you know, with uh, machine learning, AI, etc. But there's a certain human element that lies at the core that you can't really replicate. Hmm. And you know, as as Joe mentioned, obviously you are among the elite in this field. And what what would you say are the major differences between, say, an expert copywriter and someone who's just started out in the field, maybe a beginner or an average copywriter? Absolutely. So a few things. Number one is flow. So flow and uh, tactic implementation. So the way I think of this is very much like a martial art. And it's very obvious to tell when somebody is good uh, versus great at a martial art. Right? There's a certain fluidity. There's a certain uh, fluidity of motion. There's a certain non-necessity to think about the tactics that you're implementing and I truly believe that comes from repetition so number one is always flow it's does this feel like copy or not and if it feels like copy usually that that's a red flag immediately that that's that's a that person's either a beginner or they're intermediate at best uh, for the people that are, are truly elite you don't notice that you were sold until you've already purchased the product. That is probably the biggest differentiator is the, this ability to navigate the uh, the RAS filter, the, the filter of perception of the human mind so well that the ship kind of sneaks through all of the waves and then lands at the harbor safely 
And by the time that the ocean's even aware of the fact that there was a ship in the first place, you've already unloaded and have already built a city. Uh, that's kind of the way I think of it. <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. I think... Uh, I'd just like to go back to something you said where uh, you talked about automation and, and, you know, we're heading that way. That's definitely something which we've spoke about. We, we've, we mentioned this on the show. We just talked about this... Uh, with Dr. Gareth Ward, who was just on the show, where, where we talked about we're heading towards that sort of uh, automated phase where, you know, if you can get replaced by a machine at a cheaper price, then you are a replaceable cog in the wheel. Um, I just wonder, so in terms of the, the copy type side of this, do you think that this is something which can be replaced? Or do you think, as you said, that empathetic nature is something which will keep you in the game? So it's a bit of both. Uh, I have a, a dear friend, John Benson, who is a phenomenal copywriter. Phenomenal. I don't know if you've heard of John, but he's, he's I mean, one of the, the top in the field as well. And uh, you know, he's actually working on AI-driven uh, ecosystems for copywriting. He's got wow. this thing coming out called copypro.ai, uh, which he's launching this week. And this is someone who is very much a pro copywriter trying to replace himself in the ecosystem proactively with a systematized format so i absolutely believe that the nuts and bolts of copy will be split test and automated especially as far as ad creatives uh, so on and so forth but there will still be components that you simply can't create with a machine so for example the machine can create the script but it can't be the human to record the script right it's not going to be able to manifest all the, the, the facial gestures and the smile and the eye contact and the pacing and the subtle mannerisms that you would have during the delivery. So it's it's a bit of a sweet spot where you kind of need both to make it work. And look, the reality is as long as you're marketing to humans, right, we're social creatures, we respond to social interaction. And so there's always going to be a human component to it. But I think as far as uh, actual tasks, I say about eighty percent of what I'm currently doing as a marketer can be replaced. Uh, there's there's twenty percent there that, that cannot, but you know we'll, we'll see where technology is in about 20, 30 years. It's going to be pretty scary. So, uh, but I don't I don't see that on the horizon. This this ability to feel, you know, if you have an, an individual that's really going through something, this ability to feel that emotion and the desire to heal that emotion which is what makes the best brands possible, the best products possible, is is that sense of, of healing and connection that's created. Um, I, don't, I don't see that being replaced anytime soon. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'd like to also ask as well, because I've listened to quite a lot of your your, your stuff. I, I you know, looked through your YouTube channel. I did, did a lot of, lot of research for this. And there's so much psychological thing. I, I mean, I you talk about going into neuroscience. I you, you know, banding about into all different types uh, types of psychological fields. Did you study psychology at, at you know, at like a, a college level, or was it something which you just actively pursued? Just an active pursuit. It's it really comes down to getting every book on Amazon, going through that book, and then testing. I think. A theoretical so both of my parents are PhDs in theoretical astrophysics and so theory is something that comes very naturally and throughout my life I've actually very much 
oscillated to the opposite side of the spectrum, which is very hardcore practicality, is saying, well, okay, the theory says this, but why don't we test it? Why don't we go and see what actually works? And that's that's a big part of why I'm in the position I currently am in, in a company called Real Social Dynamics, right? If you really broke broke down those three words, it's uh, it's meant, you know, it's iterative social testing um, and architecting a social phenomenon, a social system, and seeing how that works. So uh, the the true answer is no, absolutely not. But when the ads convert, when the copy converts, that's when you know something's working. And mm-hmm. when we run seminars and people break down in tears because the transformation is so powerful. You know that, that that's that's something that's very difficult to wrap your head around in a in a, in a textbook or a classroom setting. So it's it's very much a school of hard knocks uh, on the street street learning, if you will. Wow. Yeah. So so interesting. Uh, just some of the the just to go back to what you just said bit about the 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 books which uh, you talked about. Obviously, the the we're, we're massive proponents on you. Are there are there any specific books which uh, you'd recommend? I noticed some of the ones which you promote on Instagram, which we both have in common. The uh, the Hooked by Nira Al, I believe, that was a good book. Um, there were other ones which I saw on your social media profile. But are there any ones in particular which you really think could help someone new to this field, or maybe even someone experienced? Okay, so if you're going for psychology, uh, there, there's a few things. So um, I would obviously start with all the NLP stuff. So that's Bandler um, and onwards. And the work of Bandler was derived from the work of Milton Erickson. Again, that's Milton Erickson. Uh, what he was was he was a, a practitioner who helped uh, terminally ill patients. So people would come to him with leukemia, cancer, etc., and he would use uh, hypnosis essentially to try and make them at peace with their impeding death and sometimes uh, you know make them more accepting of the remainder of their life and allow them to live a life of great joy but in certain cases also uh, reduce the symptoms of that condition and i thought that was very powerful in that simply through hypnosis simply through self-control of the mind uh, you're actually able to eliminate physical symptoms of certain conditions, and that's again Milton Erickson. He's got a book, uh, Patterns One, Patterns Two. It's, uh, it's it's rather sophisticated, but it's something that really starts to break down the way that the mind works. Uh, some other ones related to that are the structure of magic, one and two. That's also Bandler, and I think NLP is one of those things that I always start with. If somebody wants to become a great marketer, you have to understand the way that the mind programs itself because every single person you're going to come in contact with is going to have some sort of preconditioned programming that you have to get through, right? They're going to have, you know, they call them objections on the standard side, right? Like objection handling, but what is objection handling really? And why are those objections there in the first place? I always like to go a level deeper, right? Rather than just saying, hey, those objections are there. I go, well, wait a minute. Why are those objections there? Is this something that you received from your parents? Is this something that society told you? Uh, Why is that objection present for you? And is it really your objection or is it something that you inherited and it's actually not yours? Because that's the best way of uh, you know, avoiding an objection or dealing with an objection is making the person realize that they actually don't have it in the first place. So uh, that's one. Uh, as it relates to that, the Ellipsis Manual is an excellent read. There's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, the body language section is excellent. This is great if you're dealing with individuals face-to-face to allow you to see if they are fabricating certain aspects of their story 
if they're being dishonest or uh, what position they're currently in relative to you outside of just the verbal language. And uh, th there's, you know, a book called What Everybody is Saying. This is a more well-known one. I consider Ellipsis Manual the slightly more advanced version. Um, as far as copy specifically, obviously everything by John Carlton, everything by Frank Kern. Uh, when it comes to sales, everything by Zig Ziglar, everything by Dan Kennedy. Uh, so I can send over maybe a list of books um, afterwards. Like I can give you my top five, top ten uh, after the podcast, and we can add those to the show notes if you like. Happy to do that. And then when it comes to self-development, um, I would recommend Power Versus Force and Reality Transurfing. Uh, those two books have absolutely transformed the way that I approach entrepreneurship and especially dealing with things like burnout, energy, abundance, a lot of these really esoterical concepts that are very hard to practice, right? When you have something like abundance, it's like, well, that's great in theory, but how do I practice that? Um, again, power versus force and reality transferring have really helped me um, on that front. So, and then uh, a final point is, uh, if anybody here is doing a startup or in the process of a startup, the start the startup owner's manual uh, is absolutely phenomenal. Highly recommended. So th those are the you know the top couple by category to get us started. Wow, I mean, we would know our listeners would extremely appreciate if you, you know, if you could provide a list after the show, we would definitely put that in the show notes and we'd post that to our blog on our website as well. I think that would be fantastic um, to get from you. Um, but yeah, that we'd really appreciate that. Uh, I've heard you before talk about emotion versus logic in copy and that you have a set form of rules that you stick to. Could you tell us some of your golden rules that you stick to when creating your copy? Absolutely. So the one, two, three formula for this is actually pretty simple. And this, uh, it basically states, like you're not going to hook somebody with logic. So the one, two, three formula is hook with emotion, justify with logic, sell with emotion. So the way that that looks is if you want to capture somebody's attention, let, let's do a really simple example. Let's say you are in uh, a coffee shop and you see somebody that you want to connect with in whatever capacity. Maybe it's uh, somebody who um, you know could benefit you in a professional capacity or you know a cute girl or what have you. Well, you can come up to that person and try and explain to them every logical reason why they should be friends with you, right? But we, are, we already know that that's not going to work. So the way I always break down the copy is I think of it as this pendulum between emotion and logic and it's always shifting to one side or the other with every single word even on this podcast as the listeners are listening we can push them into a more logical headspace or in a more emotional headspace and as a result elicit or fail to elicit actions uh, due to those things so the formula is number one you hook with emotion always hook with emotion look I'm so excited to be here and those of you that are listening you should get really really excited because what we're going to break down for you in the next section is exactly how to craft your copy in a way that resonates immediately and it doesn't matter if you're selling your own product or service or you're part of a larger organization this is going to help you get massively more results in your life but from there the first thing that the brain does is it asks well okay how are you going to do that right as, even as I say that statement the user or the listener should be asking themselves how and at that point you have to swing the pendulum back over into the logical component in order to justify the objections so at that point you go well look we're going we're to leverage a decade of experience we're going to sample 
you know, hundreds of thousands of words of tested and tried copy that has been out in the real world and has gotten real conversions, real dollars, and real results for the clients. And we're going to take that and we're going to take the best of practices and we're going to extract that for you. Now, if you're wondering, well, maybe this won't work in my industry. Look, we've tested this across 25 different industries. If you're thinking, hey, I don't have time to listen to this, well, let me ask you the question of, what better thing do you have to do with your day than listen to this podcast? Is there really something that's that much more pressing or is that a complete illusion of you trying to stay busy so that you don't actually do the things that are important? So uh, that's kind of the second part, right? We swing over into the logical and then you always want to close or sell with emotion. So listen, right now, get yourself pumped up because uh, the first thing you're going to do is this. The second thing you're going to do is this. And the third thing you're going to do is this. And what you're going to notice is this, this, this. So, uh, you know, I could break that down further. Obviously, I can give examples, but I'm trying to keep it brief for the sake of uh, the, the format of the podcast here. Uh, the standard thing you should be asking yourself, let's say you're um, let's say you're writing a sales page. So I'll, I'll just get down to the brass tacks here. Let's say you're writing a sales page. You should, you should be able to look at every single sentence on that sales page and tell me exactly what it's doing. Is this pushing somebody further into emotion in order to elicit action, or am I pushing into logic in order to justify their necessity to make the sale, their reasoning to make the sale, uh, their actual objections that they have to pulling out their credit card and handing me the money, um, which is it? Because if it's not, neither of those two things, you're gonna have a really hard time getting your copy to do anything. Like, like the, the, the purpose of copy is to do stuff, right? It, it's meant to, it's meant to sell. Like if you're talking copywriting, it's you're meant to elicit a certain action, whether that's an engagement, whether that's a conversion, whether that's a retention component, uh, th there's there's a measurable outcome at the end of your copy. It either works or it does not. And so if you want to continuously get results, again, hook with emotion, always, 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 justify with logic, but then swing back into emotion for the close. Uh, so I know that's a bit of a long-winded answer, but hopefully it provides the listener with a little bit of context on you know, the philosophy of how to approach it rather than just saying, here's the top 50 headlines, here's the top 75 headlines. Like anybody can do that. Like it is truly my belief that anybody can write a great headline at this point. Uh, if you can't write a great headline, you really need to reevaluate your uh, ability to write copy or hire a copywriter because that's not what makes or breaks great copy. What makes or breaks great copy is understanding the psychological state that the person is in when they encounter your copy then taking that psychological state and pivoting it or directing it to a position of them being able to take action on that thing that you need to take action on. It's really that simple. Understanding the psychological state and being able to direct that, take them by the hand and guide them towards the point of action and get them to take action. It's really that simple. Man, that was that was a, an incredible answer. That was that was outstanding. I think Something that Lewis and I would definitely like to speak about in regards to this and something which you briefly touched on earlier was that the way in which copy is sort of shifted in these definitely in the last sort of 10 years and the way in which it's gone out, there's there seems to be a vet we, we seem to know now from a psychological point of view what works what doesn't as you said this very that this it's almost you know formulaic in some ways. Something that I seem to to take a real problem with now is that 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 formula I see it everywhere. I see it in Facebook ads. I see it in YouTube videos. People take the same sort of formula, and I see it, and it seems to be tested a lot. It it seems very spammy, almost like a porn page in some ways. 
that's like that's that's the the point where it's got tested so much. Where do you think that copy is headed? Absolutely. So this comes down to understanding the history of where the internet currently is, and uh, you know I'll touch on this briefly because I think it really is is mission critical for every single person who is remotely a marketer. And let me just remind the listener that look, if you have a Facebook page and you post on it, or you have an Instagram and you post on it, you're a marketer by default, right? You're, you're syndicating content. Um, so it's very, very important for you as, as a marketer in any capacity to understand where the current marketplace is, okay? And so here's what we had, okay? We didn't have the internet, then we had the internet. <laughs> okay, that, that's the first thing you have to understand is, is there was a, a network suddenly created where every human on the planet could connect with every other human. That did not exist before. There, there was a point in time when that did not exist. And that's the first thing you have to understand is this is a relatively recent phenomenon. I know it feels like we have all these apps and you know, for as long as we remember, there's been this thing called the internet, but it's actually very, very new. It's, it's just in its complete infancy. So that's the first thing you have to understand. And as the internet rolled out, uh, there was a lot of power put into the ability for people to make very outrageous claims and basically sell whatever they wanted to sell to anybody on the planet instantaneously. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty powerful beast to unleash onto uh, humanity with all of its uh, cognitive biases, if you will. So what happened there is a lot of really crazy offers got made, a lot of really insane promises got promised, and a lot of money was taken actually out of the economy. And uh, you know, a lot of those promises were not met. And those things that were supposed to be delivered did not get delivered. And so uh, the big uh, companies that are responsible for the majority of the traffic, which would happen to be at this point Google and Facebook, uh, you know, they, they realized, look, there, there need to be some rules relating to what you can and cannot do within at least within our ecosystem, at least within our search platform, within our video platform, within our social platform. Uh, there, there's got to be some rules because we can't have people just getting robbed blind here. You know, this isn't the Wild West where we have the mafia just running things. And uh, it's, it's truly critical for, for you guys to understand this because uh, most people, I think, just assume like uh, there's no trend. But the trend right now is we have these outrageous offers. Then what happened? Then, then those outrageous offers got regulated. Once those outrageous offers got regulated, what's the next trend? The, the trend that we're in now is the trend of the face. Okay, I call it the trend of the face. Uh, I always kind of word it this way, and it's a, it's a bit funny, but it's really true. It's like if somebody rips me off, I want to be able to punch them in the face. Like if somebody steals my money, I want to be able to walk up to them on the street and punch them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like like it's that's not that bad. You know, uh, so but with the internet before we we never had that. So that's that's actually the human tendency, and like that sounds kind of funny, but ironically enough, that little phrase that I just said is actually at the root of a lot of the marketing that you see, right? Look at VaynerMedia, Gary Vee, right? There's a person behind it. Look at Tony Robbins, there's a person behind it. Look at uh, Ty Lopez, there's a person behind it. Uh, you know, the majority of brands are, what are they doing? They're putting celebrities behind their brand, right? Look at Yeezy. Uh, there's a reason for that. It's because there has been so much distrust created in the, I, I'll call it the, the early adolescent phase of the internet, that now what people are looking for is that they're literally looking for accountability. They're saying, look, if you're going to make these promises, I want to know who you are. And if I see you, I want to be able to kick your butt. And so, you know, you're, you asked as it relates to copy. So that, that's where we are now. Now the question is going to be, where are we going to go from here? And this really breaks down those, those ads that you mentioned, right? The standard, Hey, here's my life story, blah, blah, blah. I went through it. Then I created this product, product journey, and then reveal the product and why it's good for you and how it applies to three avatars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know what? I use that formula all the time. I love that formula. It's a great formula. It's going to keep working for a while. The reality is the average person is not a marketer 
And so they're not really understanding what's even going on. I think individuals like yourself, hopefully some of the listeners, myself, do understand, oh, okay, there's going to be a product journey coming up after this personal journey. Great. But the question is, where is it going to go from here? And my hypothesis is large movements. So rather than being bought into an individual now, people are actually going to get bought into um, movement words. So a good example of this is what Garrett J. White is doing with Wake Up Warrior. I don't know if you're familiar with that brand, but what they're doing is they're helping married men come into power with their lives. Okay, And so it's this concept of, let's say, masculine power, not as uh, being aggressive, not as being destructive, but as being truly grounded and powerful and all of those things that a man is really supposed to be in society and helping you define those things. Now, even though Garrett is linked to that, uh, that is where the future of marketing is heading. And that mission statement is far more powerful than any individual. And that's actually what we kind of have with, uh, with RSD and where we're pivoting that company to do a lot more self-help. But that's the direction that we're, that we're going to start seeing in the copy. It's going to be about getting people behind a mission statement and then fueling that mission statement with as much fire as possible rather than just this individual brand thing. That's why a lot of what I do has actually not been individual brand. I'm actually a bit averse to it. That's, yeah. that, that, that's really interesting as well. And, and something which, uh, which you talked about, but there's also something which I think is really important about the, the, the face of the brand. I recently read uh, This Is Marketing by Seth Godin. And he talked about uh, the how important trust is, and it seems to be the forgotten element. But but in the book, he talks about it as sort of like the the equalizer, and almost by putting an individual's face on a brand by being able to see the 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 eyes, which we know is so important from a psychology point of view. That's the that's how we bridge that gap with the with the consumer. Is that something which you think about the importance of trust? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, that, that really is the underlying statement behind my, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the punch in the face phrase because it's absolutely true. Um, you know, we, as a trend, I think it's just a lot of people don't see the waves that came before. And so they're not really understanding why there's so many personal brands, right? Notice how, like, everybody on Instagram has, like, a personal brand now and everybody's an influencer. Well, that's not out of nowhere that that happened. That happened because there was a lot of distress in the marketplace. And you couldn't hide behind the veil of the internet. So you had to put yourself out there. If you wanted to convert a product, you have to put your face on it. And I think that that trend will be here to stay for another three to five years at least. So it's not going anywhere. I think it's getting stronger for the time being. It's just the people that are really good at doing it, there's not a lot of them. You know, you've got some people coming out of the woodwork, but you can you can kind of count the people that are really, really good at building a personal brand. Um, you know, Tom Bilyeu. Uh, sticks out right like there, there's or Tim Billy, um it's you know the, the, you can count them on your hand and so uh, the trend that it's going to go from there is all these people are going to realize that they're building empires on top of their own name and that they need to be able to pass that on in a legacy capacity to their kids and so they're going to have to turn all these empires into organizations behind mission statements like I'm calling it within the next, you know, just like Gary Vee calls things. He's like, I'm calling it now. Like, like I'm not that audacious, but I'm calling it within about five to seven years. You're going to see all of these entrepreneurs that built a big personal brand starting to pivot towards foundations, sort of pivot towards movement statements, start to pivot towards large group awareness training, 
and uh, uh, things that are replicatable to where in a hundred years, once they've long passed away, uh, that legacy can still live on. Yeah, I mean, we talk about, uh, you know, faces and personal brands and obviously one you've been associated with, uh, Ty Lopez, and me and Joe sat down earlier and we were going through some Ty Lopez content and of course... Um, one of the initial videos we were drawn to was the here in my garage video and uh, we were we were watching it and pausing it and breaking it down and we noticed that the you know there's quite a few psych psychological triggers in that in fact I think there's quite a few in the first few sentences even <laughs> um, so what we wanted to ask were you know what are some of the most effective triggers that um, you play on for example from a neuroscience point of view in pieces like that yeah, man, there, there's there's a lot. Uh, there's there's a lot there. Uh, the reality is needs and wants. So let's I guess let's start there. That's probably the easiest. Um, looking at looking at needs and wants. So the way I always think of the first the first pass that I do is what are the needs of the particular avatar that we want to market to, uh, aka what do, what do people need? Right? People need you know shelter. They need food, water. They need um, you know some sort of human connection. Um, and that plays up, right? Standard Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I take a look at that and I go, okay, well, is there something aggressive along this hierarchy that we can hit? And, uh, you know, the lowest tier is obviously food, water, sex. Uh, the second is some sort of community. Um, then you have, you, you know, uh, protection needs, esteem needs. Uh, then you have aesthetic needs, intellectual needs. And then, you know, all the way at the top, you get into self-realization and transcendence. Right, not necessarily in that order. I can um, I can send you guys the the model that I use as well if you want for that. It's a, it's a seven step model. So I always look at that and I go, okay, well, you know, the the person that we're marketing to already has all their basic needs taken care of. They're an individual in their forties, say, and uh, you know they're they're in a higher income bracket, which means I'm not going to be able to sell them on the need for safety. They're probably taken care of as it comes to safety pretty well, but what they might be looking for is more aesthetic needs. Right. For example, art. A lot of you know more wealthy individuals buy art. There's a reason for that. That's an aesthetic need. Uh, essentially, the entire art marketplace is an aesthetic and need marketplace, right? Uh, aesthetic and um, status. Or take books, right? Books are an intellectual need. So I go, okay, well, you know, you're not going to be able to market intellectual needs to somebody who doesn't have safety needs taken care of, right? If you if you don't have a place to sleep at night, you're not going to be that concerned with reading the next. Uh, you know, Osho book or the next Eckhart Tolle book. Like, it, it might be the thing that you actually need to do, ironically enough, but that's just not the way that uh, the world works, right? And you get into self-realization of, okay, well, can we help people become the best version of themselves? And then transcendence is, if people are already the best version of themselves, can we help them impact more people better? So that's the first layer I always look at. I always start with that. And I go and I, and I again, from there you take that, you reverse engineer that into copy that makes sense right you take those triggers and go okay well this person it, it, it leans on aesthetics so what, what are they going to want they're going to want a really nicely designed phone right apple is a perfect example of a company that pitches to aesthetic needs right you can you know if you can afford an apple phone obviously you have enough income and disposable income to where your other needs should be met unless you're buying a phone and you live with five roommates uh and so as a result the design is going to be beautiful it's going to be packaged well etc 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 uh but then from there i go to the second level so i go from the needs then i go to the wants 
And the wants are a bit more difficult to quantify. So I truly believe everybody wants to be like somebody else. Uh, we have this weird society where there's so much reference externally that everybody wants to be somebody who they're not. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean everybody's always looking outside for a reference point of what they should have. And uh, that's, uh, you know, I mean, Ty is one of the the greatest mentors for me in the 20s. And he taught me a great deal of copy. And a lot of the things in that ad are related to this, right? It's people want to have nice things, but not be perceived as douchey. So that's the very first thing he hits on in, in, in that ad is, look, you want to have nice things, but he doesn't in, in, with such subtlety where, look, the reality is everybody wants Lamborghini, right? We could, ju- we could just go ahead and say that. Like the majority of people that get hit with that ad, it'd be great to have a Lamborghini. But then what are all the psychological biases that come up with that, right? If, if you were to tell me, hey, do you want to have you know, a Lamborghini? And I'm an average person, I go, okay, well, that's, that's so far outside monetarily of anything that that person can achieve. And so then you have to play to that bias. So I call it bias cascading, where you, you, you hit a bias and you predict the responsive element of that bias, right? So I go, hey, here in my garage, uh, you know, got my Lamborghini here. Um, and then the first thing is, okay, you and your Lamborghini, right? Ego, ego, ego. So you want to address that as quickly as possible. Uh, so the way I think of it is kind of like uh, if you're a surfer and you have all these waves, you want to be constantly beating the wave of the mind. You want to be just enough ahead of that wave, again, that analogy with the ship sneaking into the harbor, uh, to to get that surfboard or that ship into the harbor without the ocean noticing. So uh, the wants are... I start there, right? What do these people want? Like, what does every man want? Every man deep down wants to be ripped. They want to have, you know, a bunch of houses or as much wealth as possible. They want to have a cool car. They want to have a hot girlfriend. And, you know, they want to be perceived as a leader in their community, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Those things are pretty easy to start with. Now, a lot of people are going to start disqualifying those wants are going to say, no, 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 I don't care about a big house. I just want to live in a cabin in the woods, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you, you decide, do you pitch those people or do you just proactively uh, disqualify those people? That's kind of a different strategy of this, the strategy of disqualification of everything that you're not pitching to. Um, and then you go there and then, so that's, that's level two is breaking down the wants. Okay. We're like, what does this person want? Right. Every, you know, every man in their fifties and sixties wants to leave a legacy they're asking themselves questions of what is my legacy going to be when I'm dead and how do I leave a stronger, better legacy, right? That's a pretty easy pitch. And essentially any man in that age range who's not asking that, I'm not interested in selling to them. So uh, that's pretty easy. But then there's a third level, which I call the dark side level, which we actually did a bit of uh, in, in, in every client I work with, we do a bit of this. And this I call like the seven deadly sins. So I, I truly believe every human has a dark side. I, you know, there's a quote. It's like I don't trust any human with, without one, um, and that's definitely true. So th- there's there's something to be said for sticking it to your neighbor. You know, everybody kind of wants to have the nicer car than their neighbor. Like if if you live uh, in in a city and you pull in and your your neighbor's got a, a shiny car and it's clean and you know you're pulling in and in your in your beat up Corolla, um, there there's uh, that is a visual right or vice versa right. You want to be able to, to have a girlfriend or a nicer house or or whatever so that's uh, this this often not talked about desire um, and list of desires that human have right like envy jealousy greed lust uh, these things that are very 
actually difficult to market to for me as an empath because it's very easy to go too far. But that's the way that I approach creating a list of biases rather than giving you guys like a giant list of biases because I, I could sit here for, for hours and just, just spit game on that. I don't think that's as beneficial to the listener. I think for the listener, number one, tackle the needs. Tackle the needs. If there's a core need, tackle it. Like the entire food industry in the world tackles a single need, okay? And it generates billion, trillions of dollars probably. I don't know how much, but, it, but a lot. Number two is tackle the wants. Figure out what are the wants. And then number three is figure out the dark side. What are the things that that person is not admitting to themselves that they want uh, that then you can repurpose? So um, I don't know if that's uh, specific enough for what you wanted, but I, I really wanted to give the listener a framework that they could replicate you know, if they're, if they're writing in different industries for different clients um, or if they want to do some copy for their own business as well. Yeah, that was, that was, that was brilliant. Um, that was, that was a wonderful answer. Something which, uh, I think something which I've actually been experiencing, uh, a lot lately is I've been drawn, just, just looking through some ads and, and some pages and some of them, I think they start off really well. And I really do feel, you know, that sort of emotional connection. People really do connect to me and I can feel and when I'm viewing other people's stuff and I look at it and I think to myself, I think, oh, this is just great, you know. But then as 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 it goes on, I sort of I sort of just fade out and, and I lose that initial that sort of spark, the thing which initially drawn to me. And I can't and I, and I find it difficult in some cases with some ads that I've seen to sort of replicate that feeling later when arguably is when it's needed the most for me to purchase whatever it is that they're selling what do you think in terms of say resistance and keeping keeping that sort of initial uh, spark up type thing and just is it just a hammering home type process where you're just constantly re reaffirming this idea in the the consumer's mind you know i i don't think it's a constantly hammering it i I truly believe people don't want to be sold. They want to be empowered to buy. Wow. And yeah, people don't want to be sold. They want to be empowered to buy. And that's a very, very uh, important word, uh, empowered to buy, because I'm not convincing you to buy my product. I, I We don't convince people to buy our products uh, because, A, the products are so good, you'd have to be stupid to not get them. But that's not the, that's not the barrier. The barrier is is this person empowered to make the transformation that they need to make or take the action that they need to take? Because you can start the ad off and they can resonate with your story, but if you're not giving them the hammer into their hand and saying, this is the hammer, it's up to you to build this great life for yourself, and if you're not imparting that power onto them, number one is, look, we're all comfortable. Like we're we're comfortable. They're, they're, like the world's not going to end anytime soon, at least from what I can tell. So there's no real biological necessity for people to take massive action. Like there's not like an army of wolves or something, or like crazy dragons coming through the gates, right? We can just kind of sit at home and then we go to restaurants and like life is kind of okay, no matter what. So th- that's the first thing that you're dealing with is is this incessant sense that society's gotten really comfortable and that's a great thing that means we as humans have evolved to the point where we don't have predatory animals uh, you know that, that's kind of cool <laughs> like that, that's an accomplishment but that's the first thing that you're dealing with is that you, you're watching the ad and you go eh, i don't really need to do anything 
right? That, that's what really happens. They go, hey, this is a great guy, but I don't really need this. I don't really need to do anything right now, All right? But, but if I handed you the hammer and said, listen, here's why you need to do this. And you know what? Don't let me convince you. In fact, here's what's going to happen if you don't do this. You're going to sit there on the couch and you're going to watch your show. You're going to keep watching your show. And you need to do that in such a capacity where they, they think about that moment of getting the hammer put into their hand until they take the action. So I, the, I always uh, tell my interns, you're marketing to the point, uh, I call it head to pillow. So you are marketing to the, that moment when, uh, and, and we all have this moment, right? When we've gone through a long day, it's, it's been crazy. And we finally, like we take our shower, we brush our teeth and like we get in bed and boom, our head hits the pillow, right? There's that moment, like the phone is put away and it's just, it's just us and our thoughts. That's the moment. It's literally a boom. It's a, it's a single hit. Um, it's a single moment and every single person experiences it at least once during their day, which I think is really powerful. And that's the moment that I recommend people market to is when their head hits the pillow, are they thinking about that loss of power? Did you empower them so much to take action that when they don't take action, they actually feel like they lost power as a human? That's at the core of why you are experiencing what you're experiencing. When the ad starts really great, like, wow, this is great. And then some offer comes up. You don't really need the offer because biologically there's no driver for you to get it anyway. And you don't have the hammer in your hand. And the person's like, hammer the nail, hammer the nail. Well, you don't have the hammer. Give them the hammer. As a, mar- as a marketer, it's your job to uh, empower people to take the actions. It's literally your duty. It's like if you're a doctor and you have the cure for cancer, it is your job. It is, it is your God-given right on this earth to go out and say, get this treatment, get my treatment, my treatment will save you. And, and, and whatever you have to do to do that is, is what you have to, um, is what you have to do. If, if it requires you to give them the hammer and to say, hit me with the hammer. And they go, whoa, what do you mean? I'm like, hit me with the hammer. See what happens. They go, well, okay, boom. And, and you know, they hit you with it, but at least they feel something. At least they feel something, make them feel something, make them feel scared, make them feel anxious, make them feel excited, make them feel hope, uh, make them feel, a sense that they as humans are more powerful now because they had an opportunity themselves to take an action. You're, you, sh- you shouldn't have to sell them on taking an action. It's entirely to their benefit to do so. Oh, wow. I mean, it's, it's clear and obvious why you do this for a living. I mean, these answers, they are they're blowing us away and there's so much practicality and we know our listeners are going to be so thankful for this information and um just for a bit more on you obviously you clearly know the world of influence and and persuasion so well i was just wondering what have been the highest contributing sources or influences for you in that area um obviously working with with ty was huge Uh, that was massive that opened up a lot of things for me psychologically that I had as, as roadblocks, as limiting beliefs, as negative self-talk, uh, what have you, you know, just, um, I call them like patterns of failure. Like every, every individual has patterns of failure, patterns of success. Uh, so that was huge. Uh, working with, um, Jesse and Kong over at Jump Cut Studios was absolutely massive. Um, I've got a few mentors in, um, you know, I can't, I can't disclose names, but they're in, they're in private equity and, working with them as it relates to perceptions of money is just, just phenomenal. You know, when, when you get to sit down with somebody who manages 
billions of dollars in assets, um, there's a certain scope that that puts onto your own business. And, you know, like there, there's all these influencers are like, we made $10,000 or $100,000. Like all of that looks like such child's play by comparison at that point. Um, it's, it's a great reality check. Uh, working with Owen uh, over at Real Social Dynamics, Owen Cook, um, huge mentor of mine, just, just love the guy to death, uh, really dialed in content for me. Uh, and then uh, those, those are the biggest ones. You know, those are the biggest ones. I obviously have a pretty decent network, so I always try and pick up a little bit from every single person I come into contact with um, and say, you know, like, what is it that makes this person so great? Like, why do people gravitate to this person? Huh, okay. Can I, can I, can I just take a sliver of that? And what, what's really cool with influential people is they're always very open to sharing those slivers, right? That sliver of greatness that, that hey, like, this is what makes me great. It's okay, take a little. Like, that's why I do this. It's so that you ha- can have a little bit. And um, so, so I'm very grateful for, uh, obviously, the people that I listen, obviously, the people that um, I didn't list, but they know who they are, uh, who have impacted my life in, um, in just so many positive ways. So it's, it ends up being a pretty long list if I keep, if I keep going, but those, those are the people off the top. Yeah, you mentioned Jump Cut then, and um, that takes me back a bit because I, I remember being hit by, with an ad uh, specifically from them quite a, quite a while ago now. And um, I, remember, I remember putting in my email and getting this, this email of uh, video tutorials every week and by the end, I was like, "How could anyone not want to buy while they're selling?" I was blown away by, um, blown away by their process. I was just wondering, are they and and these people are they actually behind their own copywriting? Uh, yes, absolutely. Junk is a great company. Uh, they've got a great vision. Um, you know, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not I'm no longer involved uh, with that organization. Uh, but I will say wholeheartedly that that I support what they're doing. Um, you know, we're. Um, when I was there, we, we pivoted them into a more mainstream-friendly space. And the goal there, we, we really want to see if we can disrupt, or at least at the time, we wanted to see if we can disrupt this education paradigm of you know people going to school. And, and I just got off a, a podcast with my friend Adam Barr, actually, who's in the financial industry. And you know the student debt situation, at least in the United States, is, is outrageous. And so we were hoping to create better pathways uh, for young individuals to say, look, you don't have to go $150,000 in debt or $100,000 in debt in order to make a living. And you, you can, if you like toys, you can you can make a, a living from talking about toys. Or if you like video games, you, you can do that. Um, here, here are some strategies for you to be able to do that. You can actually do things you enjoy. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Just because society tells you that, you know, oh, that's not the, the traditional path, um, it doesn't mean that the individual behind uh, Jump Cut's copy is, is a dear friend of mine. His name is Brandon Sher. Um, I've uh, you know he doesn't keep a very mainstream profile, but I'm definitely happy to uh, connect you guys with him as well if you want to have him on the podcast. He's a he's a young kid. He's managing you know six figures per month in ad spend currently, and uh, is a phenomenal copywriter and a great marketer all around. So he's the one who I kind of passed that project off to. And uh, yeah, they're definitely 100 percent behind their own copy. And have a great, uh, great in-house team. Just full endorsement on mine. Wow, I really appreciate that. That's so kind. One thing which which we would definitely love to uh, to delve into is, uh, well, obviously one of the reasons why you're you're so well known, uh, besides obviously the fact that you are hyper competent at what you do, 
is as you've mentioned before is this this affiliation which you have with Ty Lopez you were his copywriter you edited a lot of things practically I imagine most of the 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 major uh, things which people associate with Ty I imagine you were behind I've heard you talk about a lot of them what would you say the major lessons which or maybe strategies or or different tactics to these types of things what would you say the major ones which you learned from Ty are Okay, so let me let me break that down, and let me just kind of give credit before, you know, because it's one of those things where when you work in a larger organization, it's really easy to have credit kind of misappropriated. Um, one of the biggest things I help tie with uh, is, I call this, you know, catalyst moments, right? Every company has a, a catalyst, so that means something that if you make a small tweak, you have a, a monumental amount of output, and so one of the big things that um, I was able to help Ty was actually to free him up because he's also an excellent copywriter himself and just a phenomenal marketer um, to free him up to do copy. So, of course, I contributed on a lot of those things, but I just want to give credit where credit is due. There was a lot of other people that contributed to those projects as well. It wasn't like all me doing all the copy or anything like that. Um, so that's the, that's the first off. And then the second thing as far as what I learned from Ty. So there's a lot of direct things that Ty taught me, but the biggest thing that I learned from him as a marketer is actually an indirect thing that he taught me through his actions. And that is uh, a very simple phrase. It's called, people only see what you show them. So I'm just going to repeat that. People only see what you show them. And what that means is, you know, a lot of people, I think, use social media as like a personal therapist. Like, you guys ever see that? Where it's like, you go on Facebook and it's like, my boyfriend's an actor, da 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 And it just goes off and you're like, dude, like, like, dude, like, that's the brand, like, like, that's the brand, like, like, honey that's the brand that you're presenting to the world now is that you're 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 this victim right and so i think a lot of people misappropriate their their energy into displaying the wrong thing and, and that honestly that one phrase is behind all of ties marketing if you really look at what he does it, it was just the biggest takeaway for me is look if people don't want to see it don't bother showing it to them and if you are going to take the time to show them something show them something they want to see right that's why he goes Rolls Royces, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's not him being dis, dis you know, ingenuine. Ty's, um, Ty's a very genuine guy. He's a very down to earth, humble guy, um, who, who I think has a lot of very positive qualities that people don't give him credit for. And uh, it's very easy to get, you know, to, to wipe that off, right? Just because the guy has multiple cars or has a certain image online. Um, and I always thought that was a little bit unfair um, for for him being a mentor. So that's the first thing. That's the first thing, and, and that's really really important. It sounds very simple. It's, it sounds like something you can really easily gloss over, but I, I, if for those of you that are still listening, I urge you write that down. People only see what you should what people only see what you show them. People only see what you show them, which means if you want to have a positive image for your brand, show them positive things about your brand. If you want them to take certain actions, show them things that are going to listen them to take actions. If you want to have a personal brand of your of your own, right? What are the things that you're showing? Are you are you going in your stories? you know, late at night when you, when you don't have makeup on and, and showing them that, or are you taking the time to really say, Hey, you know what? Somebody's going to take their time to click on my story here. I'm going to show them something that's a value. I'm going to, I'm going to, 
I'm gonna, you know, I, I've been doing these like fun little cartoons. I like I do a fun little cartoon. Hopefully, hopefully it brightens somebody's day. You know, I got like a little like, cartoon. It's like a, it's like a cartoon cat licking the screen, and I post that to my Instagram because like I know somebody's gonna click on it. I go, oh shit, this cat's licking my screen from inside my phone. That's kind of funny, you know. <laughs> like, 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 like that brings a little bit of joy to somebody's life. That, that's super powerful. Whoa, like you just posted a little image, somebody smiled, right? I had, I had like a few people message me. They're like, oh man, that's so funny. You know, I'm like yeah, for sure. I'm glad I brightened your day. Like, like so, so that's what that's about now. From there, uh, let's dissect a couple more things. So, so that was the indirect. Now, uh, let's, let's talk about a few direct things. Um, and I'm going to try and go for the non-obvious because a lot of these things Ty covers in his content. So for the listeners that are interested, obviously check out his stuff. But I'm going to go for things that are a little less obvious. So number one is learn faster. Um, learn faster, way faster. Uh, humans take too long. They, the competition in internet marketing is so insane at this point that if you can't learn Facebook ads in three to six months, maybe nine months, it's like, man, you're going to have a hard time. You know, you're just going to have a hard time. There's so many skills you need to learn to be a successful business leader in the world today. You can't afford to spend four five, six years learning a single skill anymore. You have to go, you have to pick it up quickly and yeah, it can take you a long time to achieve mastery, but from zero to competence, accelerate that process as much as you possibly can immerse yourself do whatever it takes to get yourself to a point where you can say look i can do this right if you if you hammer me on you know funnel architecture or product catalog design um any industry i can do that so for, for the listener get faster at learning you know learn to speed read learn mnemonic techniques learn how to learn uh, that w- that was huge uh, that was just absolutely huge and and that's something that I've always believed because I was always an over over performer uh, in school, even before meeting Ty. So that resonated well with me. Uh, so that's one. And then uh, number two would be, uh, it's not all about you, right? We're, you know, we've talked a lot about legacy level wealth stuff like that. Um, at the end of the day, like it, it doesn't matter how great of a copywriter I am, it's not really about me, right? We're we're on a rock flying around a giant ball of fire, like and then we all die. <laughs> like, like that's the reality of life, right? Like we get to be on a rock flying around a giant fusion reaction and then we die. <laughs> at least like, at least like as far as practicality, right? And like that freaks people out. Like you tell people that they're like, whoa, dude, that's fucking bleak. Um, but, but, but it's kind of true, right? And, and so the sooner that you can accept that and say, look, I'm going to make an impact in this world. I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to shed the light. I'm going to share the light. I'm going to impact people in a positive way. I'm not going to have an ego about it because it's not all about me, it's not, right? It's like it's much more about you guys. Like, like I'm super grateful to be on the podcast, right? It's it's, it's more about you guys. It's, it's about the listener listening to this and going, huh? And like the little realizations that they're having and the things that they're going to do with those realizations and takeaways and the way that that's going to impact you know themselves internally and impact every action they take. And as a result, that'll impact their family and their friends and their loved ones and their coworkers and. You know, the girl at Starbucks, when they order their coffee, hopefully do it with a smile. Like, like, dear listener, next time you order a coffee, smile and say something nice to the barista. Like, super simple. Um, and I know that sounds very, very silly, but honestly, that's what makes a great marketer. It, that's what that, like, if you guys want to be great, don't have so, you know, don't have so much ego about it. Have, have less ego about it. It's not all about you. Um, people only see what you show them and learn faster would be my three things i know a very long-winded response but uh there you have it uh, another, again another another brilliant response and um 
and yeah, for sure, you know, we we definitely endorse what you just said there. Something that I would like to uh, get into is the actual, is to sort of take the conversation away from from copy because you're you're obviously hyper competent and no doubt that that there's so much I imagine which, uh, you know, makes such a great person like yourself or like Ty, which is probably so far away from prescription. I wonder if we could take the the conversation more in terms of a a mindset type route, and and if we head towards say dealing with burnout, dealing with resistance, pushing through barriers, these types of things. Does does Mikhail suffer with burnout? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, I wouldn't say the words suffer with burnout. Hmm. Um, but I mean, even even my immediate response there says, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, there's there's something to be said for being a Type A personality, right? For always wanting more, it's never quite enough. Now I'm always in a place of gratitude. Like I wake up super grateful, super happy all the time. Um, but you know, the way that you deal with burnout, it's it's fascinating, right? Because you yourself are the one who pushes yourself. It's never like somebody like there's never like a coach that's like work harder no it's it, we as entrepreneurs it's a blessing and a curse it's a hundred percent a blessing and a curse and, I, and I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up thank you for um, bringing this up because i think it's, it's such a important topic and such an under discussed topic it, it really fascinates me at how little this topic is discussed and maybe it's because people don't really want to talk about it maybe it's because people don't want to be vulnerable about topics like that but you know, the answer is, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, th- there's days where I look up and I go, wow, there's how many people that depend on my ability to be a great leader and a great manager? Oh, my God. I, like, all, I'm responsible for all these people's lives. And uh, I, I call it uh, – the analogy I have for this is the infinite pull-up. So if you know, like, doing a pull-up, right, you go up to a bar and, you know, you kind of pull yourself up. Well, if you imagine kind of pulling yourself up and then doing it again, like, at first you do it and you're like, man, I'm, I'm the best at this, right? But by, like – you know, after a little while, you, you realize, okay, well, like, can I get down now? And uh, being an entrepreneur is kind of like the infinite pull-up where you can't let go. So even after you've done a bunch of pull-ups, you kind of have to hang there. <laughs> You're like, okay, well, I'm hanging here now. Um, what do I? What do, what do I do now? Right? And and uh, because, because you can't you can't just let go, right? You can't just go fire your whole staff. Like you can't just terminate everybody. You can't you can't shut down the cash flow machine or the lead machine. You can't you can't shut the thing down because now there's now there's people and those guess what those people now have families and as you get older those people's families have kids and so like you can't go like affect these people's kids because like you had a you, you know a change of direction or something. Um, so so the, uh, let's talk about how to deal with that. I think I think that's something important, right? So you mentioned do I suffer from it? Uh, in the past, far more. Um, uh, then currently, currently I've gotten pretty good at uh, managing it. I, I stick to a religious schedule. Um, and let, let's talk about three things that really help me on that, and maybe they will help the listener just really briefly. Uh, is that right? Yeah, please, please, please talk with. Awesome. Uh, number one is, uh, so, so I, the three-step process. So, so number one is clarity of outcome. Being very clear about where you want to be being crystal clear about where you want to be and i'm not saying abstract i want to have a hundred million dollar company i'm talking i want to wake up in malibu and i want to walk down to the beach 
when the sun is rising behind me and I want to walk out and I want to go for a swim and then I want to go back in and what's the type of life that I want to have? Um, and, and entrepreneurs really struggle with this because we want everything, right? We want the Rolls Royce and we want like the five houses and la de la de la and the impact and this and that and it becomes this giant list and I think when you make that list it becomes a little bit intimidating and uh, but, but that's the first thing, okay, is, is clarity of outcome. Number two is immunity to circumstance and this is the most difficult one. It's no matter what happens, you continue towards the outcome, period. That's the rule. Is you, once you've clarified the outcome and you said, that's where I want to go, period. Okay. From there, anything that happens, you simply continue towards your desired outcome, period, no matter what. So if there's a giant dragon, well, you got to get through the dragon. If there's you know, a recession, you get through the recession. If there's uh, some sort of you know, market force outside of your control, you pivot, you do whatever it takes, and you don't let it affect your internal state. And that's so huge because uh, you, you ask, you know, burnout, right? Burnout is an internal state. I've gotten a lot better about being immune, immunity to circumstance, no matter what happens. Uh, the, the visualization I use for this is if you're hiking up, uh, hiking up a trail to a mountain, right? I was just in uh, Cape Town, South Africa. We were hiking Lion's Head. And let's say, let's say you're, you're hiking up this trail, and all of a sudden there's a big rock in front of you. Well, what are, what are the strategies for dealing with this rock? Uh, number one is you can get really frustrated if there's a rock, you can turn back around, right? That's what most people do, most people just quit. Uh, number two is you can try and punch through the rock, right? Get really frustrated and try and punch through it. Uh, you can try and go around the rock, you can try and go over the rock. But the actual strategy that works is the rock does not exist and you're already past the rock. So. I know that you mentioned mindset, like that's a mindset trick, is the rock does not exist and you're already past the rock. Uh, and that's, that's, that takes a lot of practice, and I think the listener at first glance would go, wait a minute, that doesn't even make sense, and that's exactly the point, is if you're at the point where, wait, that doesn't make sense, that means you haven't been put under enough pressure to necessitate that level of mindset. That makes sense. Uh, so, and then number three is uh, infinite gratitude. So number one, clarity of outcome, immunity circumstance and then three is infinite gratitude I, I think of this as micro gratitude like I'm really grateful somebody created Skype so we can have you know these conversations I'm really glad somebody invented podcasts so that you know and earbuds and iPhones and I'm really glad that there's trees in the world that are helping turn carbon you know create oxygen for us right and like all these little things have some micro gratitude um, for that so the, the, that's the three step process that I use and if you want, I can go into some practical things I started doing uh, that really helped, if you want. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so the first thing that I added, so I'll give you a little bit of context. Um, I was doing a product launch every single month, and it was you know a six-figure uh, six launch every single month, uh, if not more. So there, there's a great deal of pace uh, and performance that re is required in order to squeeze that level of output. And... Uh, so the first thing I added was a religious morning and evening ritual. So I, I do have a video about the morning ritual. We can add that if I, you can note to just add that in the show notes somewhere. It, it breaks down everything that I do. It's got kind of a morning meditation. It's got um, you know a lot of different upkeep components that that help make sure that you start the day. Essentially, it's you know I'm up at five uh, by five thirty. I'm at the gym. Um, by 6.30, I've done uh, gym, steam, jacuzzi, cold shower, 
and then by the time it's 7 a.m., I've already had a double espresso and a breakfast. And so, you know, from 7 until 9 p.m., I can just work nonstop while my food gets delivered. So little optimizations like that really go a long way because you don't have to think. And that's kind of the second part. So the first is create rituals that you can fall back on. The military has a great phrase for this. It, it, it says, we never rise to the level of our expectations we fall to the level of our training. Again, we don't rise to the level of our expectation, we fall to the level of our training. And that's why um, if, if you're experiencing overwork, if you're experiencing anxiety, if you're experiencing burnout, you need to stop doing and immediately start looking at the systems that you're falling back on because my hypothesis is your systems aren't good enough and so you're falling back on a rocky foundation, on a shaky foundation, and as a result, that's creating all sorts of anxiety and uncertainty for you, and you're not able to push off. It's like you can't fire a cannon from a boat, right? You're, you're not able to stabilize as a result. So creating the, this morning ritual, I also created an evening ritual. Uh, I set really strict start and end times for my day where you know I start at 5 and I end at 9.30. That's it, period. Um, and, I, I don't, and I stopped putting um, other people first and making exceptions. That was a huge one is you know stop saying yes to everything like you're burned out because you're saying yes to everything like let's be honest say yes to yourself like what's the thing that you want to do after that what's the thing that you want to do say when's the last time you said yes to yourself and i I know that's that's kind of very macro but it's so true right we we as entrepreneurs we're like we want to please we want to build this business we want to impact it's always outwards 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 give 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 and there is a point where that gets draining, that gets exhausting. So, uh, number one is, you know, build build the systems. A morning ritual, evening ritual. Um, start putting yourself first, and start being un- more unapologetic about the things that you want. If there's something you don't want to do, just just say, "Hey, I'm I'm not doing that. I'm sorry." I'm like, see, and even me, I'm like, I'm sorry because I'm such an empath. I just say, "I'm not doing that." Period. Don't even say I'm sorry after it. Uh, so those were things that really helped because it's, it's never the burnout. It's never the tasks, right? It's never the Asana tasks or the Trello tasks or what have you. It's always the psychological tendency that got us into that rut in the first place. It is almost always our biggest strength that gets us there that then becomes a weakness under enough pressure. So that strength of wanting to deliver value Right? That's, a, that's a monumental strength. If, you, if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening and your desire is to deliver more value to the world, I mean, I wholeheartedly salute you. Um, but the, the downside of that is you, know, you forget to deliver value to yourself sometimes. You go, you put everybody else first, and as a result, you're, you're looking around and you're going, how do I get out of this? I'm in a dark place. How do I, how do I get out? Why does nobody talk about those moments? Right? Why, why do so few people touch on that on you know, the downside of the hustle, right? Everybody talks about like hustle, work 24 seven. And like, they're, they're very proud workaholics. <laughs> and uh, th- there's a great book I read recently that touches on this, it's called Clockwork. I don't know if you've read that one, but I highly recommend if you're experiencing burnout, get the book uh, Clockwork. I believe it's by Mac- Mike Mikiewicz um, off the top. Uh, I can confirm that, but uh, that's a great read. So. Again, build a really solid system for yourself to fall back to because you're always going to fall back on those systems. You're, you, you have these high hopes for yourself, but you're always going to fall back on the systems. The, the better that your systems are, the higher up you're going to be able to rise. 
and then put yourself first, be a bit more unapologetic about it, and uh, see the world with, with real eyes. Because this will be the last thing on this point, is entrepreneurs make the world, right? We make the world what it is. Every single invention, every single piece of progress, every single scientific discovery is in and of itself an entrepreneurial venture. And so the thing that allows us to do that is we see the world as we want it to be. And that's a great blessing, but it's also a great curse as well because we always see the best in people, right? We always see all the opportunity. And take a moment as an exercise and just just put that on pause for just for five minutes. It is, it's not going to go anywhere. Don't be scared. It's not going to go away. Just look at the world how it is, right? If, if there's concrete on the street, that's just concrete. It's just concrete. There's asphalt. It's just asphalt. If there's a tree, it's just a tree. Uh, and so, like, when I see a tree, I'm like, oh, man, there could be so many trees, and we could have trees on, like, rooftops, and, whoa, and that would totally fix, like, the pollution situation. There'd be oxygen everywhere. Whoa. Right? Um, so... Uh, but then again that creates burnout because you're like I want to do all these things so uh, those are kind of the three things is um, again systems morning ritual evening ritual changed my life Um, get sleep I use an aura ring O-U-R-A ring uh, to track my sleep it changed my life super huge Uh, number two is you know deliver value to yourself and be really unapologetic about it you don't have to answer to anybody Uh, at the end of your life a lot of these people that you're sacrificing for aren't going to be there they're not going to be there at your deathbed like that's a reality that should be a reality check for you is you're grinding yourself into the wee hours of the night burning the candle on both ends for people that might not even appreciate it and that's that's really telling and uh, the the third thing is take a little bit of time out of your day to see the world uh for what it is and um i'll give you my, my short little morning ritual meditation i basically i just wake up and i go how do i feel and i break that down across eight steps so I go, how do I feel physically? And I go into my body. How does my body feel? I put my hand over my heart and I go, how, how do I feel emotionally? You know, am I, am I going through a breakup? Am I feeling anxiety? Am I feeling anxious? Um, I put my hands on my temples and I go, how do I feel mentally? Am I, am I clean? Am I clear? Am I focused? Am I having positive thoughts? Am I going to be able to actually do the things I need to do today? I lift my hands to the ceiling and I go, how do I feel spiritually? And that's, you know, if I died today, how do I feel about it? Um, I let them drop to my sides and I go, how do I feel energetically? Am I flowing or am I resisting? I, uh, I kind of do the money, like like show me the money. I go, how do I feel with resources? Like, you know, money, businesses, investments. Um, then I give myself a big hug. How do I feel with relationships in my life? And then I put my hands out uh, palm over palm and pretend that there's a tree growing out of them. And I ask, how do I feel contribution? So... Am I able to give something today without asking for anything in return? Um, and that's a part of the systems that I've used in the morning to ground myself to where at that point, if something happens at 3 p.m. later on in the day, I go, well, you know, this morning, emotionally, I'm good. Today, physically, I'm good. So I'm not going to let this throw me off my game. Wow, I mean, amazing. Again, I mean, so, so much practicality in there. Um, I mean, yeah, we will definitely link your your morning rituals and anything you'd like on in that regard in the show notes we know our listeners are a big proponents of, of morning rituals another thing you know we we recently both read the book uh why we sleep by uh matthew walker so i'll definitely be checking out those uh aura rings you mentioned if we if we take it more human then uh, and we keep walk, going down this string of conversation 
if you're happy to discuss it, you've mentioned it before publicly, uh, your struggles with mental health. We've actually we've spoken to a few guests about this who, who have gone through their struggles and you've publicly said at one point that you know you had a run-in with, with suicidal thoughts. Uh, you know, what was going through your mind at this time and, and what can you really share with us about this? Yeah, absolutely. So there, there were two periods of this. Um, the first was during a, a pretty strong breakup that I had in my early 20s. But for the sake of this conversation, I'm actually going to focus on the second one, which is, um, ironically enough, actually much more recent. And this was due to um, over-expecting deliverables out of myself that I simply could not provide. And I, I'm more than happy to, to break this down further because I'm really hopeful that there are some listeners that maybe that this will help them if they're in a tough spot and they feel like they're expecting a lot out of themselves and always under-delivering and beating themselves up over it. So uh, what was happening was I was essentially working 14 to 16-hour days, uh, seven days a week. So I was working to scale you know, multiple different brands, uh, my own brand, other companies, clients, uh, et cetera, while managing multiple teams uh, across multiple time zones in multiple industries. <laughs> so um, it was a lot of fun, honestly, when it started, right? I was, I was really excited about it. I'm like, man, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just absolutely crush this. And it got to a point where um, the, 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 the hamster wheel kind of catches you. And like, and like, you're kind of caught in this hamster wheel going down this hill, and you can't get out of it. Like, you feel like, like you want to jump out, but you can't get out. You can't get out of this thing. And so, the only thing left to do is to continue tumbling further on uh, down this hill in this hamster wheel. And uh, that's, you know, really um, a really scary moment. Is this idea that as an entrepreneur, you're supposed to, you're supposed to do it because you're free. Not because you you become trapped in a monster of your own design at that point, and uh, so so let, let's talk about some, some specifics there, right? So I was doing product launches, and you know for for the listeners, um, this is going to be a little graphic, but I'll, I'll just I'll just go there. You know, I I I went on a trip overseas. It was you know a fifteen hour flight. I barely slept. Um, I worked nonstop while I was there. I got extremely sick while I was there. And then I had to fly back, and I don't know if you guys have ever flown with uh, completely congested sinuses, but what happened was I, my eardrums almost exploded. Um, and so by the time I landed back here in Los Angeles, I was uh, bleeding from my ears, and I was bleeding from my nose. Um, and I had thought that I had potentially had um, either a stroke or some sort of brain aneurysm. I wasn't really quite sure uh, at that point in time. And... Uh, I remember just just glancing at my phone, and there was other demands already on my phone. Right, I had just touched down, and uh, right away I was expected to do more things. And I just I just remember coming back to my uh, my apartment here in Los Angeles, and I, you know I I, I have a, a a six hour P two two six Mark twenty five. It's a nine millimeter, and I, I remember loading it, cocking it, uh, decocking the hammer, and laying in my bed with the gun at my temple and going, imagine that it ended. Imagine the pressure ended. Imagine there was no more pressure. Imagine there was no more necessity to fulfill these crazy demands. Imagine that, imagine that was it. Imagine you were free. Imagine it was free. And I had this idea that that, the suicide was freedom at that point in time. Um, 
and you know let's 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 start to let's start to unpack that right on on one level it's extremely selfish to do that so so let, let's talk, let's talk about pros and cons of this um it's extremely selfish it's, it's so inconsiderate it's so inconsiderate to every single person that's contributed to you being here um it is entirely self-centered in that you 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 are not even in the ability to comprehend how this will affect other people around you, and uh, the worst thing is it's um, is disrespectful to yourself. It's disrespectful to the impact that you should be playing on this planet, and all of the good that you should be contributing to this planet. So, you know, luckily for for myself, I was able to pull myself out of it and uh, really took a long, hard look in the mirror on how to restructure the way I was going about business and work and, you know, being a pr- very proud workaholic at that point in time and going, yeah, I work 14, 16 hours a day, no sweat. Right. But really there's, there's always something below the surface. You know, everybody's fighting, um, everybody's fighting a, a personal battle right behind the scenes. There's this, there's this premise that like everybody who makes a true mark on the world they, they do that in isolation. The, like it's, it's the things that you do behind closed doors that are responsible for all of this impact. And I think a lot of people don't see that. I think a lot of people don't acknowledge that. Uh, there's, there's a huge amount of private battles that everybody's fighting, no matter how great of an individual. I, I'm sure there, there's battles that the two of you have fought that, um, you know, I, I don't know how open you are about talking about those with, with your audience, but that people don't know about, right? There, there's battles that I fought that my family doesn't know about, that my friends don't know about, that my coworkers don't know about. Um, and for the listener, you have to understand that th- those are yours. Those are those are your gems in the treasure chest of your life. Th- those are great, amazing things that resulted in lessons and they resulted in th- this personality and this great human that you are today you wouldn't be who you are without those things everything happens exactly the way it's supposed to right and that 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 was the biggest phrase that that actually pulled me out was everything happens exactly the way it's supposed to and this sense of freedom because what i was seeking was freedom right freedom from you know having to do more sales copy and do more landing pages and do more launches and check more emails and answer more skype requests and you know like right now i'm looking i have like 500 tabs open and now it's no sweat but back then it was like every tab was like you have to do it it was just time right it's like you're looking at it and you're like your time is just going away and you can't stop it again that that hamster wheel down the the mountain analogy it's like your time is just drip 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 and like yeah you're doing these really great things but it's still like drip 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 and you can't make it stop and that's what scared me is this idea that i couldn't make it stop at that point in time and so uh, the way that I psychologically convinced my brain to have the freedom was to say, look, everything happens exactly what it's supposed to. Like, if you're meant to pull the trigger and kill yourself today, then it was meant to happen. Likewise, if you set the gun down and you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, something's got to change, that's also meant to happen. Like, like, this podcast is meant to happen. The person that's listening, if you're listening right now, you're meant to be listening to this. It's you're a part of the universe and it's meant to be this way. And there's something just very powerful in that. So um, that's that's kind of what I went through. Um, and, you know, we can unpack that further. But, um, you know, let me let me know where you were thinking of taking this and then 
and kind of play along. Yeah, well, we 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 really appreciate the 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 vulnerability type, you know, to 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 talk about that. That's 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 really brave, and and we really admire it. We were speaking. Uh, we just released a podcast with Heather Morris. Uh, she's the international number one best-selling author of the book, The Tattooist of Auschwitz. And she was talking about how her book inspired uh, a load of prisoners who were really at the brink of, of hopelessness and really on the edge of the precipice. Was, was that idea what pulled you through, as you said, that it was, um, you know, that... that this is, you know, a, a lesson in the story of your life. Or were there other things which gave you hope of a better tomorrow? It, it's, it's interesting, right? It wasn't as much of a hope of better tomorrow, to be honest. Um, there was just a moment of acceptance. It wasn't even like, like I think the word better kind of, it, it wasn't that it was bad. It was, it was, it was a very unique experience mm. because... As soon as I had the realization, again, that everything happens exactly the way it's supposed to, it was all kind of neutral. Like, it all became kind of neutral in a way where it was like, oh, okay, like, there's wars across. Okay, neutral. Like, and it, it, was, it really removed this good, bad label from things. And that's what really helped me to deal with uh, the workload and to re- reanalyze. Now, the I just did a video in Cape Town actually about heartbreak and uh, that'll be a great video that I'll release in, um, in about two weeks here but I will take some lessons from that video and actually share those here so uh, the, the first thing is that the, I, you know there's nothing without you so uh, l- let's pivot a little bit to, to some of the understandings and takeaways that I got as a result of the experience is that this version of reality without me doesn't exist Right, just just like for for the for the listener, as you're listening to these words, the version of reality that you're in, it doesn't exist without you. So it's actually your responsibility to reality to exist. And I know that's a very like whoa, woo woo, okay, bro, like esoteric topic, but but it's huge. Like you you you're responsible for everything. It, nothing exists without you, and th- th- that's. It's a very powerful concept because at that point, you know, when a bird flies by, you go, I'm here for that bird, right? When, when I go on podcasts with you guys, like, I'm here for you. When somebody leaves a comment, like, I'm here for them. And, and yeah, I, I preach, you know, put yourself first. Of course, be a little more selfish. That, that's all great. But th- there's that takeaway of, like, you become the channeling point for goodness in the world. And it really creates a very powerful mission statement and a reason for you to be here and for you to contribute something. And at that point, once you have the realization that you're not just, it's not about you, like there's nothing without you, but it's not all about you. <laughs> like that's the weird thing, right? It's, it's, there's like, there's nothing without you, but it's not all about you. And what you're really taking away is everybody else's experience of you as you are at your greatest and that's not fair like like who who, who am i to tell you guys you can't have me on your podcast <laughs> you know what i mean 
like 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 the audaciousness that you got to have like who am i to tell the listener of this podcast that they don't deserve to have these words like who really like am i really that egotistical to say no 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 you don't deserve you know like i deserve to die and and um it it was that realization that really pushed me back like into the light very very aggressively and what's very interesting about that is i haven't even slipped since that moment like not even a slip or a sliver or like n- n- not even a drop of darkness has procured itself um since having some of these realizations it, it, it's like it's like a weird tony robbins-esque moment where it's like and that just doesn't exist anymore like that mindset just does not exist it's permanently erased um and like burnout for example just does not exist like i can't go into burnout it does not happen because I think there's something about trauma where the mind, when it goes through trauma, it blocks off certain receptors. And, you know, again, we have a limited understanding of the way that the brain works, but there's definitely some sort of blocking component. Um, and it just simply won't allow for me to take those actions anymore. It just says, nope. Nope. That got you too close to death, bro. <laughs> Not going to allow it. <laughs> sorry, sorry, man. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Something I was, I was just pondering. Uh, say you were to give, uh, someone younger or or maybe someone of any age really sort of in that same situation where it seems as if you know it's like a hamster in a wheel type thing where you just you just feel like you just can't sort of get off the roller coaster you know and and from 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 what you said i mean i can completely resonate with just that that never-ending workflow of thing after thing and you just think when's it going to stop what would you say to someone who's in that bubble? Is it to take care of yourself? Is it to prioritize yourself, as you said? What would you advise them? Yeah, absolutely. So, so let, let me start that with um, just mentioning a legal disclaimer. I am not a licensed clinical professional. And um, if you do find yourself uh, suicidal or heavily depressed, please seek professional help. Uh, I will just say that first off. That is definitely one of the things that I wish I did sooner, and I have, uh, you know, sought out professional help, and it did help. So I, I'll just say that for um, for disclaimer's sake. Uh, again, if if you are suicidal or in the depths of a deep depression that you feel you can't get out of, um, please seek professional help. Now, as it relates to uh, my feedback, ask yourself the question of what moving towards moving away. So. Take a moment and audit the next action you take after you listen to this podcast. And did it move you closer to happiness or further away? Because it's very similar to the frog in the barrel analogy, right? Where, you know, you put a frog in a barrel with cold water and then you heat it up and the frog doesn't notice and it boils to death. Uh, We often take a repeated sequence of actions that move us further away from happiness and we find ourselves so far away that we can't even recognize or find where that happiness is anymore. And that is truly, I believe, the, the most aggressive symptom of this condition. So audit every action you take. Uh, for one, Just try it for an hour in the morning. Don't even do the whole day. Just, just, try, it, just try it, you know, for, or for an hour right after doing this podcast. You know, going to check the email, 
right? Is that moving you t- closer or further away from happiness? Going and making a Facebook ad, is that, okay, what about this other thing you got to do? What about this other thing? And, and make a list. Make a list because there should be some things that you do that, that nudge you closer to happiness, right? Like, like doing podcasts like this for me, it brings me closer to happiness. It does, this doesn't nudge me further away at all. Um, cause hopefully it makes an impact in at least one person's life. And that to me is enough. If this podcast makes a difference in one person's life and I died today, then it was worth it. Then it was worth the whole, the whole life, all of it was worth it. Um, and as you audit that really be aware, the first step is awareness of what am I doing? What are you really doing? And then number two is going to be the hum of anxiety is what is that thing that you're stuffing? There's always a fear that you're stuffing behind the scenes that's preventing you from being happy because happiness is not a state of doing. It's a state of being. You can simply be happy, period. There is not a requirement for happiness. It's the, the fact that you need a, you know, a Bentley coupe and a giant mansion and blah, blah, blah is a completely fabricated illusion. You can simply choose tomorrow. I will wake up and I will be happy, period. And I know that might not sound uh, true to you now, but as you audit your actions, be aware. Be very aware of that hum of anxiety underneath and what's causing it. Is it a fear that you will never get off the roller coaster is it a sense of being trapped is it a sense of the things that you're doing aren't really contributing to your life purpose is it that you're truly not happy with yourself and you don't really know why and sit with it take time to sit with it take time to heal because i will tell you right now every single project that i did that pushed me over the threshold and pushed me into the red zone. I can't name, I, I can't name that many of them. Like I can name like a couple, but you know what? Of the people involved, I can't name a single person. that was actually aware of how much pain I was going through. Not one, not a single one. And I would bet that if you're listening and you're going through a, a lot of the similar emotions and experiences, I, you would realize that these people that you are sacrificing yourself for aren't even aware that you're sacrificing yourself and it's time to stop. It's okay. You don't answer to anybody else in your life, but yourself, you answer to yourself first. Like it is not up to anybody to tell you how to live your life. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's your parents or your significant other. No, you come first, put yourself first, say, I want to be happy. I want to be happy and I will be happy and any actions that move me away from happiness, I will get rid of them and, and just start there and just start really slow. And again, it's always, you know, measurable progress and reasonable time. Just, just go really slow, start there and just be aware in your body, show appreciation for the fact that you get to, to exist as a human. I mean, to be a human is, is a statistical improbability. Right, just to even exist. Like, understand that the reality that the Earth happened to be this exact distance from the sun, and then your parents met as a, at a certain specific time, were a specific age, were fertile, you know, 
had a specific set of <laughs> mating sequences and then you know you came out that in itself is magic like life is magic you know people people always talk about like harry potter and like how they wish magic is real to me life is magic like like the real world is absolutely magical and you being here is is magical you you're meant to be here you're part of the universe you're part of something and um that's that's where i would start i know that's you know be a little softer on yourself don't be so hard on yourself so that's uh, and, and and again just just to wrap you know if you are truly listening to this and, and you're considering suicide um please seek professional help immediately there's there's only good things that can be said about that um I, w- I was very, I myself was very hesitant to seek professional help uh, because I had a lot of ego around it. Because as a man, you often say, well, what, what am I not even in control of my own emotions to where I need like, you know, a therapist to tell me that it's okay to live on this planet. I had a lot of ego about it. And um, as soon as I let go of that and said, you know, I really need help with this, uh, that's when things started to get better. I mean, so many quotes. We, I mean, life is magic. So many quotes we can... Uh think of from this podcast where we can use to, to put on our social media for this one and um i love what you said there about ordered in your actions and uh exactly how you said it that's why we started this podcast originally we both said to each other you know if we could impact one person's life that was more than enough our last question for you now you talked about ordered in actions and and bringing yourself closer to happiness what brings mikhail closer to happiness Oh man, that's a that's a great question. So, the first thing uh, you know from my like my journey was um, I'm happy all the time. I'm by default happy now. Now, is rather than closer to happiness, is what amplifies the happiness? Like what makes it brighter, sharper? Um, you know, seeing the look on people's eyes when when they're happy, like it's, it is not even attached to me doing the action to make them happy. It's it's little things it's like seeing like a couple at the beach and you can tell they're just so in love you know seeing that like seeing that like love exists um seeing little kids playing seeing just somebody just crushing it on stage and having an amazing speech you know see listening to to great music coming out uh really being a part of the world being a part of this reality being a part of this universe 110 percent um and observing other people do the same i'd say that man that's amazing and and going back to to what you said about wanting to impact at least one person i can definitely say that you've impacted me a lot with this with this talk and lewis i imagine the same 100 percent so so we can't thank you enough where can our audience find you on social media yeah, so the easiest place to reach me is on Instagram. The handle is at MVKBIZ. Again, that's at MVKBIZ. And, uh, you know, let, let's stick it to one call to action. Um, if you want to go on there, toss me a DM and, you know, let me know. Did something resonate from this podcast for you? Um, is there something that maybe you're going through that you wanted to chat about? Uh, if you're a listener, I will respond to every single dm that i get every single message that i get i'll respond to personally that's not a va or anything that's that's me um you get me in person 
uh, you know, there, there's not like a, a hard sell or an offer um, or anything like that. It's just, you know, if, if things resonated with you, um, send me a message. I'm, I'm happy to talk about it and, you know, see if I can help. Man, that's amazing. Is there any last messages you'd like to share? Um, you know, we, uh, we're, we're building a community for entrepreneurs that's pretty unique. So a lot of the things that we've talked about on this podcast and I, I talk with so many other entrepreneurs, is there really needs to be a, a community format. So we'll be, uh, we'll be rolling that out within the next uh, month or so. So it's, uh, it's going to be called Hustle System and maybe we'll uh, add a link in the show notes uh, for that. And, you know, often with things like depression or burnout, it's really understanding that like there's somebody else on the planet right now that's going through exactly what you're going through. And even if you aren't going through it anymore and you've gone through it in the past, there's someone right now that could use a little bit of light in their life. They could benefit from getting a little message of encouragement, of motivation, of inspiration and that might be just the thing that gets them over the hump and pushes them back into the light. So we're really working hard to create a community around that uh, for entrepreneurs. And, you know, it's not just dealing with depression. There's a lot of skill-based stuff, too, like connecting people to great copywriters, to great um, sales letter writers, et cetera. So um, that would be my final thing is, you know, if, uh, if you got the opportunity, check that out. It's going to be called Hustle System. Um, I'll toss a link. And I usually end with... Uh, you know, just just remember that the, no matter where you are and what you're going through, uh, the future is the most exciting place you ever get to go to, almost as exciting as the now. Wow. Well, Mikhail, we can't thank you enough for your time, too. Of course, man. Thank you so much. <laughs>